Hi everyone, my name is Lisa Green, I'm a first year, and I am the Vice President of Religion and Culture at Hillel. And my name is Morgan Limmer, I'm a senior, and I am the Interfaith Fellow. And today we are so excited to have Ethan Burkhove, Hillel Director, here as our fabulous guest. Um, so Ethan, if you could start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your role on campus and what your day-to-day -day looks like. Sure. Thanks, it's really nice to be here. Um, I teach in the math department at Lafayette College. I've been doing this for a while. I arrived on campus a little over 20 years ago. And uh, I do, I guess, what any other professor would do, right? I teach my classes, I meet with my students, I've got office hours, I do grading, uh, I've got committee work that I do and, and all sorts of other things. I've got research on the side and, and I work with students. Mm -hmm. One of the things that perhaps makes my job a little bit different is I'm also the Hillel director. I've been involved with Hillel pretty much since I arrived on campus in 1999. Uh, I was doing that somewhat informally for a number of years and then I kind of stepped into the role as something like an assistant or associate director and then I've been uh, the director of the Hillel Society since the, the former Jewish chaplain uh, Bob Wiener retired a few years ago. I remember Professor Wiener. I remember him. <laughs> it's hard I, to forget. I remember him from two weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, well, it's wonderful to have you here. Uh, so, first off, uh, what were your earliest experiences with Judaism? That's an interesting question. I have been thinking about that, and I don't know how far back the memories actually go. Mm -hmm. I know that in my family, we would do Friday night services as part of Shabbat, the Sabbath, and that consisted of a collection of prayers, lighting of candles, a blessing over the wine, and then we do prayers after the meal, and we, we did that every single week growing mm -hmm. up on Friday night. That was just part of what we did. So my parents talk about stories when I was in a high chair and oh. at the table. And so if I go back as far as my memories go, those have been part of the things that I've done. But I do remember also things with the synagogue. And we would go to, to synagogue for like the Jewish High Holy Days when I was, again, really young. I'm pretty sure I remember going to some of the rooms. But I was in Hebrew school, and I found out there was an opportunity to, to go to services. I mentioned it was an opportunity, but then the teacher of the class said, oh, you can go and do this, and you can practice the prayers and things. And one of the things I really liked about, about the religion actually was the singing, at least at first. I was a member of the choir, and I've, I've always liked song. I've always liked music. And so for me, it was an opportunity to do some more singing. I thought, all right, why not? So I went to services, and one of the things that would happen if you were in junior congregation, which is what they called it in the synagogue, you would have some prayers that were done off to the side in sort of one of the smaller rooms in the synagogue. And then towards the end of the service, you would go in, you'd, you'd walk in, and there were a couple of rows right at, the big, right at the front that were put aside for people in junior congregation, and you'd mm -hmm. sit down there. And there was this cantor, Cantor Adler, and he would, with this sort of, I remember this sort of big imposing presence, but he would look at everybody and sort of, up and down the line, then he'd point to one of the kids, and the kid would walk up and he would sing um, one of the prayers. So it was a prayer called Ain Kelohenu, just lead the congregation. Um, and I remember sitting there, you know, my heart thumping as he would look up and down, and you know, sometimes he'd pick me and I'd go up and I'd you know, go and, and sing. And it was the, the 
first chance I had to actually sing in front of a, a group, completely terrified, by the way. But uh, like I said, I enjoyed singing, and so that was that was part of what went on. And as time went by, the, the terror <laughs> moved back a little bit, and I started Aww. to enjoy it just a little bit more. Um, and uh, that, that sort of you know, kept on going. So I, I've mm. been sort of a synagogue goer on and off, depending on the time of my life. Um, you know, a lot before I left college, not so much in college, and it's changed as I've had a family. But, uh, you know, memories go back pretty far. So what were your favorite, like, Jewish holidays growing up? I think my favorite Jewish holiday is Passover. Mm. It's been compared to the, the Jewish Thanksgiving. In fact, it is a festival where you, you certainly give thanks. There's these strong traditions of freedom. There's really good <laughs> uh, and and often there aren't the, the same sorts of services. Like if you talk about holidays, for example, like the, the Jewish High Holy Days, these are these are days that are awesome in the sense of inspiring awe. In fact, they're often referred to as the days of awe. But you spend a lot of time in synagogue, and when you're a kid, that's yeah, that's got a, a short half life. It's less fun. <laughs> it's yeah. A lot less fun. <laughs> But, you know, with Passover, you've got the service, and there's lots of singing. Did I mention I like singing? There's yeah, I, I, was gonna, I was going to ask you about <laughs> that. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I think singing and music, um, they're two of the best parts of Judaism, and it's so fun to rally as a community and sing. And I was wondering, going back to what you were saying earlier about singing kind of getting you involved, other than in Kelohenu, um, what were your favorite songs, and what are your favorite songs today? Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, and to add, could you add like context for what those songs are like about? So that would be great. <laughs> so what the songs are about. So if you go to a Jew Jewish service, uh, a Shabbat service, for example, in the synagogue, the, the central part of the morning service, and it's it can be pretty extensive actually, is the reading of the Torah. And actually the Torah, mm -hmm. the five books, uh, the way that it works in the Jewish tradition is that uh, you read through a section of the Bible every single week. And at the end of the year, you've gone through the entire text. Actually, a number of synagogues do it every single year, and some use a triennial cycle where you actually do portions, but you do the first third, second third, and last third. And so every three years, you work through the whole thing. But the text is chanted, and then there's an associated reading which comes from the judges, and that's chanted as well um, with different sorts of notes. They call them tropes. And I really enjoy listening to that. As for the songs itself, the In Kelohenu, which I mentioned, is basically a, a, a song of praise. You you sort of go back and forth with the congregation, um, but there are, there are other prayers that go in there as well. There's one that you say when you're putting the, um, the scrolls back into the ark. So you take the scrolls out, you put them down, you read them, then they're rolled up in the Torah's dress, there's a dressing that goes over it, and you put uh, sort of like this crown on top, and at the end, you go and you pray and you put it back, and there's a, a song called Eitz Chaim He, it's a tree mm -hmm. of life, um, which I just think is a really beautiful tune um, uh, that uh, is sung in a minor key, and mm -hmm. it's just, a, I think, a really moving way to finish up the service, yeah. that part of the service. The service keeps on going. <laughs> service never ends it, that's so true <laughs> so many sections so growing up who were your Jewish role models I think a lot of people have you know people that they looked up to I think for me it was actually pretty local mm -hmm. uh, 
in my family, there was religion was sort of you know part and parcel of how I was raised. My father, in particular, had a, a very strong sense about the importance of religion, and I got a lot of my like a lot of people do. I picked up a lot of uh, my, my initial experience uh, through my parents, but particularly my father. There were yeah, there were Hebrew school teachers that I I remember working with a lot. Uh, a teacher, Nira Lev, was my Hebrew teacher for many, many years. I went to school with her son, um, oh. Ori, and you know she was just terrific. I, I learned a lot from her. I had a number of rabbis that were members of, or that were in synagogues that I was either affiliated or visited, and uh, you know, these were people that I looked at what they knew and how they, they, they did things. Um, we had a, a, we had a person who, we called the shamish in our synagogue. I never really knew what that role was. It turns out he was a Holocaust survivor, and he had actually been trained as a rabbi, but our synagogue already had a rabbi. And so he sort of did everything else. He was in charge of, of ritual, and he was the person who would read the Torah every week, that sort of thing. But he was a hoot. <laughs> and so, I, I like talking with him. Yeah. Did he kind of act like the shamash, like Hanukkah? Um, I can quickly explain what that means. That's like the candle that kind of leads everything, that kind of lights all the other candles. Right, it's sort of the helper candle. Yeah. And, and he was, you know, he was the person that kind of made everything happen. Mm. He would lead a good part of the service. Mm. Uh, he he understood when you read from the from the, the five books, you're supposed to know what you're talking about. He yeah. knew what he was talking about. Uh, but he, he knew it really, really well. He was a scholar in his own right. But like I said, a lot of this I didn't realize until decades after the fact. Right. That's so special. And and speaking of things that, you know, it takes years to fully appreciate and recognize, um, how has your relationship with Judaism changed over the years and up until now? That's a really interesting question. Mm -hmm. When I when I was really young, I think religion was almost a binary thing. Like, this is what you right? do, yeah. and if you don't do it, then, then you're not Jewish type mm -hmm. of deal. Uh, and so if you looked at me when I was really young, I could have said, this is what Judaism is. You know, and I could have said, it's, you know, yeah. these five things, this is what makes you a Jew. What did you think those were? Oh, you know, maybe like doing a Friday night service right. and, and keeping some sort of kosher laws, perhaps. Mm -hmm. um, there may have been, you know, going to services at certain times a year, perhaps, mm -hmm. as well. But that was when I was really young. I, I realized as I was growing up that there was a wide range of ways that people can mm -hmm. engage in, in their religion. And that has, I think, developed more and more and more over time. So... Mm -hmm. When I went to college, that was an opportunity for me to get have access to a broader cross-section of people. Mm -hmm. And as I've been doing work within different communities that I've been involved with, I've had a chance to see that people really engage, I'll say Judaism in particular, but they engage in the religion for very different reasons. Mm -hmm. Some folks uh, have a strong connection with, say, religious traditions or the prayers. Other people really like the food. Uh, you know, yeah. food is always a, a big thing. Um, some people like the community. They just feel like it's important to be part of something that's greater than themselves, and they feel that when they're surrounded by people. But as for the prayers, yeah, yeah maybe that, that doesn't hit them the same way. Sure. I liked music, and so mm -hmm. I still enjoy singing and you know, being part of a crowd to, to do that. And so I guess as I, I look at it now, I, I 
over time, I really realized how broadly people can engage in, in such mm -hmm. different ways with religion. So did you ever make any of those realizations about yourself, like actualizing, oh, I find that this is important in my experience of Judaism that maybe you didn't think about growing up? As I get older, there are different aspects of religion that speak to me in, mm -hmm. in different ways. And so, um, sure, there, there are all sorts of, of things that have, have changed over time. Uh, you know, religion is, is a, a really deep field in the sense that you know, there are lots of things you can do. There are, there are sort of the traditions that you might follow, but you know, there's also, you can go and you can study religion, you can find different points of view. And so I think if you're interested in it, there are aspects that you can continue to look at throughout your life. And as I've gone through different stages in my life, so I started off, I was in college, I went to grad school, right. I met my wife, we got married, we had kids, and as mm -hmm. you, move through these stages, you look at different aspects of religion in different ways, and you sort of ask different things of it, or maybe what you realize is that different aspects of it provide certain things to your life that uh, they've done in one case and not in others. Right. How has it been, how has your um, connection to Judaism changed since starting a family? I'd imagine that would be, you know, so wildly different. Well, as I mentioned, there are times when I was more engaged and I was less engaged. Yeah. And uh, when I was a college student, I was not particularly engaged. Mm. I went to the Hillel at the University of Michigan, where I did my undergraduate. And it's one of the biggest and most active Hillels in the United States. Oh. And I, I went a fair amount my first semester, and then I met some other people and did some other things, and that kind of dropped off my radar. Mm. And it was like that for a while. When my kids were born, I started to think, hmm, I'm going to be raising a child, and... What sort of things do I want to give them as part of their foundation? And you know, that was a, a long process. It's actually still ongoing. Sure. But as they got older, there were questions like, okay, we want to be at a synagogue where they can engage with things in a particular way. We'd like there to be kids, for example. A number of synagogues these days have sort of older they're, they've got an older demographic. There aren't right. a lot of kids. My synagogue is actually kind of like that. But mm -hmm. when my, my kids have been there, there have been a number of kids their age that they can get involved with. And there's some youth group stuff that they can do. Uh, it was important for us to have a rabbi who was interested in being involved with mm -hmm. you know, kids. And so there's a confirmation class that my, my kids go to. Somewhat grudgingly sometimes, but they still go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're there with their friends, and they're, they're learning things, and they will also grudgingly admit sometimes that they pick something up from it. <laughs> so I've seen over time the way that we engage, again, with you know, our synagogue and what we're looking for, that does change. But certainly having kids made some, some real changes in the way that we, we took a look at personally what I was interested in with religion. Yeah. Well, um, I guess moving on through the stages of your life, uh, you talked a little bit about this in the beginning, but what is like your time with Hillel at Lafayette been like? So that's a that's a big question to, to try to answer. <laughs> Definitely. Um, as I mentioned, I, I wasn't particularly involved as an undergraduate, and my first job out of graduate school I was at the University of Wisconsin, so a large mm -hmm. liberal state university. My first job was actually at the United States Military Academy. Oh, yeah. whoa. Yeah, indeed. Uh, so quite a bit smaller, student-focused, all undergraduate. Uh, mm -hmm. just, just a tad conservative. 
Um, but one of the things that I was looking actually for services for the High Holy Days, and I thought I would check it out. And I went there, and there were a bunch of really interesting officers, Jewish officers who were there, and there were a bunch of cadets. And I found that I really enjoyed being part of that community. In fact, this is, I think, one of the biggest changes that's happened with me over time, was I hadn't realized how important community is for me as an aspect of religion. So there's certainly things that I'll do in my day-to-day -day life, but it's, it's really nice to have people around that um, have sort of similar backgrounds or, or maybe some sort of common language. And by being able to, to work with cadets, I realized that this is an opportunity to, to give people a sense of community where they might not have much of a community at all. So I did, I was the lay leader actually at the, at the uh, military academy for a couple of years. And after I finished, I came to Lafayette and actually I arrived and a couple of people in my department, Liz McMahon and Gary Gordon, were very involved with Hillel. Uh, I found that out quickly. They said, you should come by. I did. I mentioned Bob Wiener. He found me quickly. He said, you should come by. <laughs> and I, I kind of got involved. I, at the beginning, it was fun just to talk to the students. One of the reasons I wanted to be at a school like Lafayette was I was really interested in getting a chance to meet students, both in class but also outside of class. And Hillel has been my opportunity to do so I got a chance to talk to students and ask them about themselves. When you're in class, mm -hmm. you're focused on course material. In my right. case, that's mathematics. Mm -hmm. And I love mathematics, but it doesn't necessarily make a great basis for conversations about you know, people's backgrounds and things. Mm -hmm. And so being able to go to Hillel and talk to students and say, how was your day? What is your week? What are things, what's important to you? What do you like to do? So that, that's how I began. And I've continued to get involved about six or seven years in, around the time I came up for tenure, Professor Wiener asked if I might be interested in stepping in and doing things a little bit more intensely and actually taking on something of a leadership role. And I thought long and hard about it and then decided, sure, I was going to do that. And that's, you know, almost 15 years ago now at this point. So I've been, you know, more involved with the day-to-day -day things. One of the things that I really like about it is that the students who are here in Hillel have great ideas and wonderful energy and lots of stuff that they want to do. And part of what I've been able to do is help them make those things happen. And uh, that's been a really special part of my experience at Lafayette. And uh, I think something that's been, you know, I, I love teaching in the classroom. Um, but there are some things that I've done with Hillel that I think are just as important in some ways. Definitely. I think it's so special just getting that time to connect outside the classroom. I really, I, I've loved it so much. Um, and speaking of that, are there <laughs> specific moments or, or things Hillel does that you really look forward to? The interface Seder that Hillel runs every year is fantastic. It's one of the signature events. It's a time where the, a bunch of different groups come together on campus. So it's the Passover holiday. One of the things you're supposed to do is invite people in to, to join you and to, to eat and partake. But uh, the way that this goes, we have a, a number of people who regularly stop by. We get participation across lots of different religious groups. People don't need to be religious at all, by the way. This is another thing I like about Hillel is that it's not necessarily a, you know, a Jew. It, it can be a Jewish place right. besides yeah. being a Jewish place. Yeah. And there are plenty of people who show up just because they like the people. 
and okay. they like the conversation. Under normal circumstances, when it's not a pandemic, there's food. <laughs> so Friday that night helps. you can come to services. <laughs> yeah, I miss yeah. But, but you can have a, you can do the service. Parts of it are done in English. There's this thing called the good thing of the week, which I think is a wonderful thing to do. It's the to best. reflect back on the week and say what's going on. And you can do that, then you can sit down and eat with friends. Mm -hmm. And uh, you, you can do it with the Friday night dinners and then the interface Seder is something in a similar vein. Again, you're sitting down with people, eating and sharing. I just think these are wonderful. Yeah, and I think broadly from my experience here at Lafayette, um, Hillel just as a whole is such like a good interfaith space. Like it, it's very Jewish, but like a lot of my friends, um, like specifically in and around the theater department are always like, oh, I'm like going to go down to Hillel with my friend here tonight um, and just hang out with people. And like those people aren't necessarily Jewish or come from a Jewish background, mm -hmm. but they still feel so welcome in that space. And I think that's so special. This goes back a long way. So Professor Bob Wiener uh, cared a great deal about community. He was much more interested in having people there rather than necessarily you know, how Jewish you are or what your brand of Judaism is. And I would say that's something that's been kind of a bedrock principle going forward. So things have changed over time. Like you know, people have come and people have gone, but, but that's sort of been the vibe. And, uh, and uh, it's something I, I hope continues. I, I think that that's been sort of baked into the organization's DNA. Definitely. So that's sort of the way we, we sort of do things these days. But it's something that I like about Hillel a lot as well. You just find a, a really interesting group of people who show up. And we don't take attendance at the door. We're just glad to see people come in. It's just, it's warm and inclusive. And I think you're such a big part of that. You know, you oh, thank you. Yeah, of course. You're, you're like an ambassador. You know, you're welcoming people in, and it's it's beautiful. So, what do you think people misunderstand about Judaism? So, there's an interesting story that comes into my head, and actually, when you talk about people trying to understand other folks' religions, religions are fairly deep things, and so mm -hmm. if you don't actually take some time and try to learn something about them, I think there's a lot that you can miss. But but here's Here's a, a story, I guess, that, that comes to mind. So if you take a look at sculptures of Moses that say were done during the Renaissance, they'll often show him with horns on his head. And you might wonder why. Well, when Moses was getting the tablets, uh, he saw the face of God. Well, he actually didn't directly. He was sort of off to the side. But I guess the radiance was so bright that if you read this, the the script, I believe it says something like horns of light, or rays of light rather came off of his head. Rays of light, the light reflected. And through a mistranslation uh, that came out as horns. And so in like Renaissance times, you'll see Moses actually with horns. Um, someone I know in the dorm uh, a couple years after me at the University of Michigan was sitting down with a couple of people in one of their rooms and one of the guys starts talking. He says, you know, I was really worried when I came to the University of Michigan because I heard there's a lot of Jews here. Um, and in particular, you know, I'd heard all sorts of things about you know, how, you know, how they act in this way or that way. And so I'm just so glad that um, I, I've met these really great people. Of course, he was sitting in a room with three other Jews. <laughs> uh, you know, he, he didn't know. And they sort of mentioned this. And he talked about the fact, wait, don't you have that skull cap? So uh, observant Jews will wear something called a kippah, which mm -hmm. is like a little piece of cloth to put on your head. And 
uh, there's this idea that that's actually there to cover up the horns, um, which which feels kind of ridiculous. But but this happened in like 1990, right? right. <laughs> so we're not talking about 50 years ago or anything. This still happens, and so I think if it, Jews tend to, to be in, in areas with higher population density. There are lots of places in the world where there aren't that many Jews at all. Um, I've been, an, I've been a, a Jew who's tried to stay observant in Japan, for example, when oh I did study goodness. abroad. And, and when you don't have anybody who's Jewish and you haven't, that, that, that's in your circle of friends, and you haven't had conversations, you don't get a chance to talk to people, I think there's much more that you don't know than you do. Oh, definitely. There's so many people who've never met a Jewish person. Yeah. Or they wild. don't know that they have. Right, right. Well, going going back a minute, not to breeze over anything, I, sure. I'd love to know about keeping um, Judaism in Japan. What was that like? Um, difficult. I, <laughs> I spent my junior year abroad, mm -hmm. and I had a homestay family. So I talked about what I could and couldn't eat. I said, you know, I, I don't eat pork. Yeah. And, you know, that was, I guess... A bit of a trick because they eat a lot of pork, but mm -hmm. um, you know my host mother said sure that's fine, and you don't mix milk and meat. But actually in Japan they don't drink a lot of milk or eat cheese very often, so Perfect. that wasn't too hard. Yeah. Um, what I found actually most difficult were things like Passover. Mm -hmm. uh, Passover you're not supposed to eat um, a, a bunch of different grains, but it includes things like you know beans, um, wheat, and rice. And oh. uh, so <laughs> if you think about soy sauce, right. soy sauce has beans in it, of course, but it, mm -hmm. one of its primary components is actually wheat. Right. So I'm trying to find something that doesn't have rice or soy sauce in Japan. Yeah, Possible. Good, good luck. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I just, you know, sort of decided, well, I'm just going to do the best I can. And, uh, Perfect. See how it goes. But, you know, when we, when I was in, in uh, Spain a couple of years ago, I was the faculty director for the Lafayette's engineering program in, uh, to Madrid to St. Louis University. I took my family with us. And it turns out we lived a couple blocks away from the main synagogue. But we actually found a, uh, we went and we asked about some things. It turns out there was a bakery nearby. You could get a challah, which is a traditional egg bread. I still remember, quisiera pedir un pan de jalón. That's what I would ask every single week. They would put my name down. I would spell it out. And I'd come in and every Friday I'd go and I'd pick it up and we would pick things up and have Friday night. We brought little candlesticks with us. And, How about that? Um, and so we, we, did, we did all of these things. And so finding a way to remain Jewish in places where there aren't a lot of Jews is an interesting experience. Do you think it strengthened your pride in Judaism at all? I think it's just part of who I am. And when I don't observe some of these things, I feel like something is missing. Right, right. Speaking of that, how has your observance of Judaism been affected by the pandemic? One of the things that this has pointed out to me is how important community actually is. So I, I, I remain involved with my synagogue, but we can't meet in person. And mm -hmm. it's been a real challenge to try to figure out how do you engage people. So I've seen this at the synagogue, and then, of course, through my work with the, the Hillel Society, Trying to figure out how do you engage people in a religion, and when religion tries to bring people together closely, physically close to do things together, to share experiences, to sing together, to eat bread together. And here is a circumstance that is tailor-made to separate people as far as yeah. you possibly can. So recognizing, you know, once you realize you can't do this, you can see more clearly what some of the effects are. And I've always been 
taken by how important community is and how an important part of it is for me within the religion. But that's just been uh, strengthened even more by looking at sort of how things have evolved in the pandemic. I am really looking forward to getting a community back together. Definitely. We're, we're getting there soon. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> what are you most looking forward to about when things are more normal again? I'm looking forward to sitting down and just chatting with people. Yeah. I've really missed that. I, I like being able to spend time and find out what people think is important and what's on their mind. And it's possible to do that, but Zoom is exhausting. Oh, and so <laughs> if, if you do it enough, you just want to you know, get off and, and do something else. And so yeah. being able to have a bunch of people in the same room and just chat informally, I think that's something. There have been a few times I've gotten together with people, and boy, it feels so nice. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. Well, for now, before we can do that in a grander scale, um, is there a message that you want to give to the broader Lafayette community? Well, certainly about the pandemic, I would just say, you know, keep on hanging in there. It, it's important that you take care of yourself. It's important that you take care of the people around you. I think it's important for all of us to try to be sympathetic to each other and consider what everybody else is going through. Um, you know, in situations like this, what we realize is that it's it's really important to be able to go through things as a community. And when you don't have cohesiveness, that we, we run into all sorts of problems. And so I really hope that we look at this and recognize, you know, just how important it is that we, we talk to each other, that we spend time with each other, that we get to know each other. Absolutely. Well, thank you for spending time with us. <laughs> oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for asking. Yeah, thank you so much for being so open and for sharing all of your stories. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Um, and thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs>